So welcome back again to the second part of Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeley. Joined on the line this morning, uh, because this being the World Day of Prayer for Vocations, I've got the parish priest of Cratlow Parish, who happens to be the the director of uh, vocations here in the Limerick Diocese, Father Richard Keane. Good morning to Father Richard. How are you? Uh, good morning, John. I'm keeping very well. Uh, thank you. Um, I hope you're keeping well, well yourself out there in West Limerick. We are. It's been some time since you've been on West Limerick 102. I think a few years ago you came on and and they gave us your own vocation story, very inspiring vocation story, and thank you indeed for that. But now that was four years ago, yeah. That's mm. right. Now you, you're now in a different role now, uh, today being uh, voc- World Day of Prayer for Vocations. Um when us to pray for vocation to the priesthood and religious life. Maybe you might start just start off by letting our listeners know why is it so important that the church allocates a special day for this purpose, Father Richard? Um, I think vocations um, Sunday has got um, it's got two very important functions. I think first of all it is um, an invitation to the faithful, uh, to people of God, to pray and thanksgiving for all those who generously have answered the call to serve in ministry in the church. So it's an opportunity for the people to maybe thank God for the priests and religious they have already. That's one function. And secondly, um, it is a request to ask the Lord of the harvest, send more laborers into his harvest. And Jesus himself actually mandated in the gospel, he, he told the people, there's something you need to pray for. So, so in one way, we're thanking God for the priests and religious we have. And then secondly, we're kind of following the directions of Jesus, who asked us to continuously pray that God the Father will send us more, more laborers. And um, so, I mean, as priests, on a day like today, <clears throat> we need um, the people of God uh, to pray to support us in our ministry and in our vocation. And also, we do need the people of God uh, to pray that the Lord will call more priests and religious um, to the religious life. And we pray that the people who are being called will follow the example of Mary, the mother of God, who was able to say yes to the particular vocation she had uh, with trust and confidence in God. And we pray that those families, Christian families, um, will be generous enough maybe to provide um, uh, church helpers in the work of tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a couple of very important things wrapped up in today. Yeah, 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 because we all do sort of have have a vocation, but today, of course, and it's very important to remember that, that we all have vocation to, to, to do the work that the Lord has allocated us to do. But specifically today, with priests and religious, some people might ask, why do we need priests and religious, Father? Well, in terms of priests, uh, one of the, uh, we're based to build, we're, we're called to build up God's kingdom on this earth. To, to build up Christian communities full of faith, hope, and love. And of course, everybody has a specific role and task within that. And lay people can do so many um, aspects of this building up of Christian community. They can get involved in so many ways, and pastoral councils, and you know, finance committees, and literature committees, and everything, mm-hmm. and bereavement groups. But by every Christian community needs the Eucharist at the center of the community, which is the living presence of Jesus, the risen Lord, at the heart of the community. And the only person who has the capacity to actually uh, consecrate um, the bread and wine to make Jesus fully present 
at the heart of the Christian community is the priest. So, so obviously, I think you cannot have a Catholic Christian community without the Eucharist at the center of it. And that's, that's the task, that's the grace, that's the vocation that the priest has to make Jesus fully present at the heart of every community. And of course, then, another aspect of a Christian faith is the forgiveness, the mercy, the compassion of, of God. And the priest has a very special um, faculty there to absolve people's sins and also administer the sacrament of the sick to bring peace and healing and strength to the sick and dying. So it, it's absolutely essential that the Eucharist is at the center of every community and, and so only the priest to make Jesus fully present in that way. And religious, I think, um, um, I also work, one of my other jobs is um, I'm special vicar for um, the, the, the region for, for Munster. So I work in the, the Cork Marriage Tribunal on Mondays and Tuesdays. We'll be investigating uh, people's marriages to see can we say, grant a decree of nullity. But on the Mondays and Tuesdays, I work in Cork. I celebrate Mass with the poor cares on um, on those mornings at seven thirty in the morning, and it's a community of seven nuns uh, present uh, in uh, in Cork, and there's such happiness and peace about them, and I think it's so uplifting for people to experience uh, these religious women have completely dedicated their lives to God, and these these women live a life of you know uh, prayer and. Um, reflection on scripture and but at the same time so they meet people so many people come to the convent each day and ask the nuns to pray for them and the fact that they have these dedicated women who've, who've consecrated their whole lives um, to, to prayer um, brings great consolation and peace to people who just feel they need prayers at a special time so I think um, the, the world at large I think it needs religious people who have dedicated themselves, you know, in um, poverty and um, and chastity and obedience to actually pray for the world in a special way. I think the real symbols of hope and real symbols of God's presence in our community. And I think that's what the world needs, a real symbol of God's presence amongst us. And the religious provide that in a unique and special way. And Father, maybe for the, for those people again who might want to ask the question, um, living the life of a priest, can you give some sort of an outline as to? Well, overall, it's overall it's 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 it's, it's, it's a very um, um, it brings so much peace, joy, and blessing. Of course, it can be challenging, but overall, it's such um, a tremendously gratifying. Uh, life because it's so meaningful. I know I, I'll talk about the challenges in in a moment. Mm. But overall, I think it's the blessings that go with it. You know, you, you're involved with people at the most important moments of their lives. You know, you're there baptizing a baby. Um, you're there with young people, helping to prepare them for the sacraments of a uh, initiation, like first holy communion and confirmation. It's so gratifying to think you can bring tremendous peace to people, you know, through the sacraments of uh, confession and the sacrament of the sick. And you're, you're there maybe for people's weddings. And also, you're there to bring such solace, comfort, and hope that people are so devastated um, at, at the loss of a loved one at funerals. So it's such a meaningful life. 
Of course, the challenges um, with Ireland getting more secular and everything. But overall, it's such a, it's such a meaningful life as well. And if someone is called to it every single day, you will feel you've done something profound and meaningful. Yeah, and, and, and as you say, obviously it's a secular life, you know, maybe with declining um, numbers of people going to mass, you know, people becoming more secular. We could see even last year, you know, I think for a lot of people in the church, when the Eighth Amendment was defeated and there was a big celebration about that in Dublin Castle, that, that was a very dark day for us Christians who kind of, you know, we witnessed the gospel of life and we believed that from the very moment of conception that you know, we're, we're children of God, you know, with, with living souls who've got to be treated with respect uh, and possess full rights. So that was a way, that was like a dark and, 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 and difficult time for us. But, but at the same time, I think the light of Jesus overcomes darkness. I think last Sunday's gospel to me was a very good one. You had the disciples walking all night long on their own, catching absolutely nothing, like they kept at it. So it was like a whole night wasted. And then in the morning, they encountered Jesus, the risen Lord, who gives them direction. And once more, to put their net into the sea and catch you know, a miraculous, huge amount of fish. So, so that's what it's like. It's like, we should never despair, never give up. Uh, Jesus has, has won the victory over sin and death. So even last year when people in my parish were very despondent about the Eighth Amendment being defeated, you know, like, and being being repealed, if you like, you know, but I said, this now walk starts now, don't give up hope. Let's keep praying that people, you know, in crisis pregnancies will be inspired to recognize the presence of, of God in the child they're carrying and choose life. So, so I think that's ultimately, with all the difficulties of priesthood, there's this idea that there is light at the end of the tunnel, there is hope, we should never give up. And, and then that's the central message of Easter, and that's the central message to, to carry as a priest. No matter how many challenging and bad days or bad media coverage you get, ultimately you know that, that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Jesus has risen from the dead, and by by living your priestly life, you, you, you're definitely doing your best to build up his kingdom on, this, on the earth. Well, then, Father, can I just ask someone else here? Um, what's the position at the moment regarding the need for priests here in Limerick, and, and do we have any seminarians actually studying for the priesthood here? Uh, we, have, we have two students uh, for the diocese, two wonderful um, uh, uh, fellows, uh, two excellent guys, and please God will go on and be our damn priest for the diocese, and they're studying in the Irish College in Rome at the moment. Um, obviously, you know, we do need more vocations. The reality is um, we have some fantastic priests and diocese, but they're all coming very close to retirement age, you know. As I said already, um, like, please God, you'll have excellent lay people involved in, in the leadership of parish communities, but you need the Eucharist at the centre of the, of the Christian community. You need the sacraments of reconciliation and the sacrament of the sick in the heart of every Christian community. And for that, you need priests. So obviously, we do need we do need priests. And um, I think we need to pray for vocations. And um, it's interesting to look throughout the world and some different initiatives that people have. Uh, over in America, they seem to have, um, in some parts of America, they seem to be attracting a lot of um, students to their, their seminaries. 
and some of the students who have been attracted to study for the priesthood have said that it's true maybe spending time in adoration um, in, in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament um, that are spending time in rosary that they felt God calling them to priesthood and also so yeah we do need um, humble committed um, and priests who are prepared to, to, to really give themselves in the service of the people so to share the joy of people on the happy occasions like weddings but at the same time to, to share the pain of people when they're suffering with the sickness and death of a loved one as a priest, you've got to be completely, totally prepared to get up at two o'clock in the morning if you're if you're if you're available to actually um, anoint um, some woman or, or some man who's dying. You know, if the family requests you, because it's so important. You know, it gives people such peace and consolation. So you've got to be completely prepared prepared to serve. So you can't be prideful. I think um, a prideful priest would actually be an enemy of. The, the, the call to build up God's kingdom but we certainly need humble dedicated selfless priests and it's in giving that you receive you know, I mean even over Easter now you'd be thinking when people come but thank God in Cratlow we with excellent uh, attendances you know at, uh, at the Tridium you know and even we had, we had a dawn mass like at 6 o'clock in the morning Easter Sunday above in the grotto and there was a fine crowd there and then I remember even leading up to the 11.30 because we had the vigil mass the night before, the dawn mass, we had another mass in the little church in the parish. I was thinking, will, will anybody come to the 11.30 mass? But it turned out to be a fine crowd there, you know, and afterwards um, there was teas and coffees available for people and the sun was shining. It turned out to be a real experience of, of community and hope and togetherness and fellowship and strength with Jesus at the heart of it, you know. So that's it. So, so as I said, like it can't be difficult. There can't be problems. We can't get negative about where Ireland is going. But you have these beautiful Easter moments, you know, and they make absolutely everything worthwhile. But you have to be prepared, you know, to to serve the people to have those moments. And Father, um, in, as you said early on, I mean, in today's Ireland, it's not easy to publicly live up to our Christian lives, you know. As vocations mm. director for our diocese here in Limerick. How do you encourage people to consider a vocation to priesthood in religious life? It's about prayer, ultimately. You have to spend time in prayer. And uh, obviously, ultimately, before, it was in families where people had, like, like the family, domestic church, where people had the family rosary. And it was in that that there was a sense of prayer. And, of course, back those days, there was a cultural pressure to kind of come to Mass. But now there's, like, a cultural pressure maybe to... Um, to do your own thing, you know, it's like, uh, it's all about, b- b- before now, uh, trying to be obedient to God's will was the important thing, whereas you could do what you like though, but, but having said all that, there are still a lot of people um, who feel called to to, to pray, <clears throat> and they feel called to spend time with the scripture, feel, feel a sense <clears throat> of coming to mass, or, or going to a holy hour or something, is giving them a peace, and a meaning, and a strength, that the modern world is impossible, is is unable to give them, you know. And even if you went to the Christmas um, on Holy Week, there was, a, there was a fine congregation at the cathedral, you know, and a fine, uh, with, with so many um, different priests from various religious orders present at that Mass. But it, it shows, okay, yes, it is. Ireland is 
in some ways hostile to the church and the Christian message, but there's still lots of people who do feel the need to nourish their souls. You know, so I think so if anybody gets in contact with me, I have some other priests to help me in the sort process of discernment. But what I encourage them to do is spend time in prayer. If go, go to Eucharistic adoration, maybe get involved in something like Lexio Divina, spend time with, with um, the Word of God, and get involved in your local parish to some capacity, whether that's maybe being a reader or a Eucharistic minister, helping to distribute communion at Mass, or even better, if you can bring communion to the sick of the parish, or get involved in some good uh, charity in the parish, such as St. Vincent de Paul or, or, or the Legion of Mary or something, you know. Get involved in, your, in, in what your local parish is doing in some capacity, and then you start to see there's life in this. Okay, so maybe the days of 90% of the community going to Mass on a Sunday is gone. Maybe what's the maybe 15, 20% of people going to Mass on a regular basis, but there's great life in it. There's life, there's life in it, you know, life in it. So no, no matter what is, if, you, if, if a person feels somehow called to the religious life, I just invite them to get involved in their local parish in some capacity, you know. And, and that's it, because if someone phoned us tomorrow and said, listen, I feel called by God to be a priest, it would be maybe two years. We'd have to accompany them in the process of um, accompaniment for nearly two years before they start um, seminary uh, formation proper, you know. The first thing you do is you'd encourage them to get involved in their parish, whether prayer groups or um, charity um, apostolates are going on, charitable apostolates are going on in the parish. And then maybe um, we would liaise with our parish priest. And then there are various uh, things that happen. For example, on the 18th, the weekend of the 18th, the 19th of May, there's a come and see vocations retreat, a look into the life of priesthood. And that's above in St. Patrick's College, Manus. And that's available to anyone who'd like to, to feel they'd like to maybe, the feel the Holy Spirit is maybe, um, maybe calling them to priesthood within their hearts, you know. So, I mean, if you look at that poster to that come and say for the vocations retreat, it asks the question, is your life fulfilled? Perhaps God is calling you to be a diocesan priest, come and see. Because if God is calling you to something in your life, if you don't respond to it, you'll be like the rich man in Matthew's Gospel who went to Bayside. Now, Jesus called maybe that young man to be an apostle or something, but he was so attached to his, his status or his material possessions, he wasn't free to follow the call of Jesus. As a consequence, okay, he retained his, his earthly status, his material possessions, but he was sad. His soul was sad, you know. So that's why I say to people, okay, listen, you might have to give up a lot of things, you know, but you will find happiness, peace, and contentment for your soul. And you cannot put a price on that. You certainly can't. And I have a little thing here that says 10 signs. These are 10 signs to, to, for a person that God is calling them for the priesthood. So in that case, so I say to someone, you have to have an inner desire to explore a vocation. It's like deep kind of persistent um, calling to explore priesthood that isn't leaving them. Um, 
if they, if they're not able to shake the feeling that they're called to be, to be a diocesan priest, um, if the people around them, like good, sensible um, people, reasonable people, believe that this person has a calling to the priesthood, um, and, and also too, if the personal question doesn't feel like the priesthood is like a place to hide from reality, but it's a place where they will truly fulfill their potential, or they'll truly be themselves. And even if they've struggled with this idea of being a priest, but it won't go away, if it's something that's deep uh, and profound. And, and if they start feeling a sense of peace, um, if, if they say, okay, I'm going to maybe try and uh, maybe explore this call to priesthood in a formal way, and if um, and if they feel that actions beyond their control are, are guiding them to the priesthood, and um, and if they think that maybe phoning me or getting in touch with the local parish priest and saying maybe I'd like to be a priest, if they feel that that even though they find it challenging and difficult, but at a deep sense is bringing them peace and there's a sense of clarity about it. And um, if they feel in their heart that they would be unhappy or uneasy about doing other things in life, um, then if they believe that the thought of serving God in this way would be would bring them real freedom as opposed to confining them, then I strongly suggest them. I strongly um, call on those people to get in touch with their local parish priest and start maybe exploring this vocation in a, in a formal ma- manner. Father Richard, thank you so much for really bringing us so much hope. And, and, and just as you mentioned that about the 18th of um, 18th of May, I've just got a little note here from the St. Joseph Young Priest Society. They're yes, to... they're having a, in Raheem, they're having a three-hour vigil of prayer for vocations. It's in Nessens Church in Raheem, Limerick. And th- th- this will begin with, um, so Raheem in Limerick, there will be a Mass at 6 p.m. on Saturday the 18th of May, which the chief celebrant will be, will be our Bishop of Limerick, uh, Brendan Lee. And after that, there will be a vigil, um, time to spend with the Eucharist, the, with the Blessed Sacrament, which will conclude with benediction at 9 p.m. the evening. So I'm, I'm saying if anybody feels that they were called to priesthood, if anybody knows somebody that they think has a call to priesthood, well, go maybe if you can to the Mass that night, spend that time at, at, at the Mass and also in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament. And if you're the person that feels called to the priesthood, then maybe just in, in front of the Blessed Sacrament, ask the Lord Jesus to give you maybe clarity, strength, courage, and hope. And if, if, you're thinking, if you're praying for somebody, maybe pray that they'll have the courage to maybe to go to the local priest and start the discernment process proper. Father Richard, thank you so much again, you know, for again bringing us so much hope, but also again maybe just to remind ourselves that we all have a part to play in this, and the big part, of course, we can play, we can do is is to pray for our priests first of all, and pray for those who think they have a, a vocation to priesthood, asking the Lord to show them the way. Just to finish up our little chat, Father Richard, have you got a prayer you'd like to share with us, please? I do actually, and this is a prayer from St. John Vianney, he's the patron saint of priests, an incredible story, um, with uh, St. John Vianney, he ended up in a real rural part of France where the church was falling down and everything when he went there. But he was a man of such, such humility, a man of such faith, a man of such hope, a man of such dedicated service. They built up a vibrant, flourishing 
Christian community there, you know. He spent hours in confessions. People from all over France flocked to him. And his main thing was Eucharistic adoration and, and hearing confessions. But when doing that, he, he revitalized um, uh, the Catholic Church of France in many ways at the time, at the time, you know. So I'll give you, I'll maybe share with you yes, this prayer for Thank priests. You. Thanks, Father. God, please give to your church today many more priests after your own heart. May they be worthy representatives of Christ, the Good Shepherd. May they wholeheartedly devote themselves to prayer and penance, be examples of humility and poverty, shining models of holiness, tireless and powerful preachers of the Word of God, zealous dispensers of your grace and the sacraments. May their loving devotion to your Son Jesus in the Eucharist and to Mary, his mother, be the twin fountains of fruitfulness for their ministry. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much, Father, Father Richard Keane, uh, is parish priest of the Cretlow um, Parish here in the Diocese of Limit, the Vocations Director. Thank you so much for, for sharing with us this morning. And at this, we might just go for maybe an appropriate piece of music. The one we got lined up is Here I Am, Lord, by Don Shute. So, Father Richard, thank you so much. And uh, Thank you very much, John. God bless you. And God bless you in your work. Bye-bye now. God bless, Father. God bless. Bye-bye. I, the Lord of sea and sky, I have heard my people cry, all who dwell in dark and sin, my hand will save. I who made the stars of night, I will make their darkness bright. Who will bear my light to them? Whom shall I send? Here I am, Lord. Finest bread I will 
See you. 